Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. If you haven't yet got your copy of Love So Wild, can I just encourage you, it honestly, uh, and obviously, you know, well, you're, you're biased. It's, I am, I'm unbelievably biased, but it's been playing nonstop in my car, in my home. Uh, there's just a touch of God on those songs. And especially when you know some of the stories behind the songs, some of the stories behind the songs, you know, so you'll find that those songs carry a spirit of breakthrough because they're not just written from an ethereal, cognitive, espousing position, but actually written from, I was in the valley of the shadow of death, and this is what, I've, what I found there. And then it's translated in songs. So you'll find your faith will rise. Uh, it's just so beautiful. I also just want to honor Ernest and his beautiful wife, Elsie. Can you guys stand up? This is Ernest and Elsie. If I didn't love Ernest so much, I would give him a hard time about saying how on earth did he snag such a beautiful wife. But I can't talk. Pastor John can't talk. You definitely can't talk, Mr. Robbins. Colin, you can't talk. I don't know why you're sitting there laughing. None of us on the front row can, can uh, talk. We're all married way out of our league. But Ernest, what a, what a phenomenal promo video for 2018, Cherish. And the reason I wanted to just take a moment is because, uh, that, you know, there was a transition in the media department and Ernest was the, the, the magnificent understudy of probably one of the most uh, prolific and talented uh, media guys, you know, in, in San Diego, probably in California, Michael Coe. And so there were big shoes to fill. You know, he, was, he is a genius. And, and you've had to come in and pick up the pieces and hold everything. And I've got to tell you, that video was on par with anything that we've produced in the past and I just want you to know that I couldn't be more proud of you I could not be more proud of you son what what an outstanding young man you know whatever challenge has faced him he's just stepped into it and uh you know I remember uh sitting in your car you're driving me to the airport I'm going off to preach somewhere and uh and we're listening to we downloaded the uh the richest man in Babylon and we're listening to it in the car and I'm kind of ruining it by giving you my narrative on the whole thing. And, and, and Ernest listened to it again and again because he's like, man, you know, I come from, you know, poverty and struggle. And how do, I, how do I break out of that cycle? And you always come out head first. When you were born, you came out head first. Every new chapter that you enter in, that's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because where your thoughts go, your future goes. Where your thoughts go, your life goes. And so, you know, what you listen to. And, and then I'll never forget when he said, man, there's this really, really beautiful girl, but I'm really nervous. And, uh, and he told me about Elsie. And I'd met Elsie a few times in our green room. She just immediately came in with this beautiful volunteer heart and a beautiful spirit. And I thought, my God, whoever gets that young lady is uh, going to be king and prince all in the same day. And I couldn't think of anybody better. So I'm just so proud of you. What a great future you and your beautiful bride have. You guys are just magnificent people. We celebrate you. And I know it's a stretching season, but uh, I'm just so proud of you, man. You're built for the stretch and God is with you and God is for you. And so I just love you guys. So God bless you. So give those guys a great round of applause. Aren't they fantastic? And then I just also want to just say, uh, uh, we've got some people who uh, have churches themselves and uh, they're here this morning. So can you guys just stand up just so I can say a, a quick love on, uh, love on you guys. This is Pastor Nancy Martin from C3 Trinity Dallas. And this beautiful young lady here, stay standing. This beautiful young lady here, her name is Brie Elliott. I got to tell you, when I met her in Sydney and, uh, and the first time I met her, I just thought she is extraordinary. Her and her husband, Darren, 
have a great church up in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, Oregon. Or is it Washington? It is Vancouver, Washington. Vancouver, Washington. And uh, C3 Church, they are extraordinary people. This girl's capacity, her vision, her insight uh, is just extraordinary. They have two magnificent kids, Dakota and Paris. I knew them when they were this high. Now it's hard for me to look at them because Dakota's taller than Darren and you know, Paris looks like a little runway model in Paris. And, uh, but you're just such an extraordinary mama. You're a great pastor, a great leader. She runs a great women's conference just two weeks ago, I think it was, every woman. And the place was packed and women were ministered to. And, but I've got to tell you, her and her husband do my soul so good. So just lean in. This is really confidential, okay? So you can't so lean in a little bit. Uh, when, you know, I, got, I was given the, the audacious responsibility of looking after C3 Americas. And, uh, and so whenever someone's given a position or a title, there are always the people who felt that the title should have gone to them and now they're ticked. And then there are other people who think that, well, you know, why give it to that guy? It should have gone to me. I'm the young. And so, so it's been an interesting journey. But Darren and Bree have turned up to everything. I, I, it's probably not uh, a week that goes by where I don't get an encouraging te- text message from your husband saying, man, God's with you. We're behind you. You're doing a great job. Keep leading, boss. We're following. And it uh, just does my heart so good. So that's the caliber of people. And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that everything you guys are sowing, you're reaping. You're going to reap the most faithful people behind you, putting wind in your sails and pouring out blessing on you. And I just hear God say, uh, get ready to see the next chapter that unfolds over Dakota and Paris. God's hands on them. His hands on them. But we just love you. You guys are amazing. So can we give these beautiful people a great round of applause? Thank you. Thank you, musicians. Go and take a load off. I know you've been working so hard all weekend. Come with me in your Bibles through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. I, believe it or not, I actually got a journey message. I was hoping to get called up. I was hoping that they would call me up, but apparently Chris Valentine is, you know, all that in a bag of chips, and I'm just, you know, chopped liver. And so, uh, but anyway, so I thought, well, I'll preach it on the Sunday. And uh, so I've got a journey message. It's about journey, and it's the book of Ruth. It's a, you know, it's a cherished message. But if you're a man, you're going to love this message too, so don't switch off. So come with the book of Ruth. Ruth is in your Bible if you... If you're in Samuel, turn left towards Genesis. Go towards Genesis. If you're in Joshua, you've gone too far. It's after the book of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles. So Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter 1. The title of this message is is an interesting title, Servant. Servant. It's not going to make any sense till I get to the end. But let's just just pray right now and uh, that I can get through it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Bless these beautiful people, your people. I just count it such an honor and a privilege to stand on this platform with this word that you've entrusted to me. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that I would, I would today take the power and the nutrients in this word and impart it into your magnificent sons and daughters. That no matter what giant they're facing, no matter what season they're in, no matter what circumstance, that they would leave here today with something greater on the inside of them than they had when they arrived, that they would know that they would walk out of this building more than conquerors, that they are overcomers in Christ Jesus, that they are victors in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, let's read together. Ruth chapter one, verse one says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, that there was a famine in the land. Everyone say famine. That there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Verse 2, the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Now, I just want to just, just stop for a very quick second. You need to understand that Whenever the Bible says, and the names of these people were, it's, it's doing that because it wasn't like God in heaven saying, man, how do we fill all these verses? Uh, put in their names, you know, that'll fill up space. When God puts the names in there, it's for a reason. Okay, and the reason will explain itself in a moment, but I just wanted to draw your attention. Uh, verse 3, then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left... And her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. 
The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth. Orpah is where Oprah was named from. Her mama just got the spelling wrong, but true story. Her mama named her after Orpah right here in the Bible. And anyway, that's, that's quite interesting in itself, but let's keep moving. I'm being honest. It's the honest to God truth. Uh, that's so bad. No, I'm being honest. It's true. Okay. Uh, and they dwelt there about 10 years. Verse 5. Then both Marlon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So she loses her husband. She loses her two baby boys. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Now I want you to, to underscore this in your Bibles. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. She had heard while she was living in Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. And so verse 7, therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law were with her and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should find a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you from me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. I love this passage of Scripture, and there's a number of applications immediately for our lives. And we're actually going to, uh, I'm going to give you a synopsis or an overview of the entire book. It's worth reading. It's a magnificent story. But uh, the first thought that can come to you and the first application in our lives is the misperception that the grass is always greener elsewhere. That the grass is always greener elsewhere. And, and here, the Bible says that there was a famine in the land because the judges were ruling. If you know the, the time of the judges, in the book of the judges, the Bible says that they came up after Joshua, a generation who did not know the Lord. They did not know the Lord, and therefore they did not walk in His ways, and each man did what was right in his own eyes. And so wickedness fills the land. Because wickedness fills the land, God withdraws His blessing. And so now there's a famine in the land. And so Naomi and her husband Elimelech hear that there's, you know, opportunities elsewhere. There's, you know, there's, there's Moab's got food, Moab's got water, Moab's got seed. So let's go down to Moab. So, so they leave Israel, they leave Judah, and they go down to, to Moab. This is interesting because the second application is another misperception that we walk in because the name is given to us in, in the second verse. Elimelech marries Naomi. Elimelech enters into a covenant with Naomi. The name Elimelech means God is king. Naomi means delightful or pleasant. And so, so this looks like it is, a, it is a romance made in heaven. This is what happens when you and I get saved. When you and I get saved, it is a delightful, it is a pleasant, it is a beautiful thing. When you make God king over your life, you better believe that the kingdom of God, Jesus says, I want you to go out and preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, proclaim the good news that the kingdom is at hand. Which means that they were, they were, they were 
preaching that, hey, in this world, sickness, in this world, strife, in this world, torment, in this world, disease exists. But there is another world that is visiting. There is another world that is a present reality, and it is the kingdom of God. And your entrance from this world into that is very simple. Just when you make God king, you are all of a sudden now immediately transported into the kingdom of God, where there is healing, where there is deliverance from oppression, where there is freedom, where there is salvation, where there is blessing. And so, so this looks like it should be a perfect picture because God is king, has married, pleasant and delightful. But there's a famine in the land. And so they decide we, uh, we don't do famines. We don't do famines. Now, I, I, I love uh, watching National Geographic and the Weather Channel. And for some reason, because I'm a surfer, I study the weather because when there's a low pressure system, surf. High pressure system, oh, get out, high. I need a low pressure system so I can go surfing. And so I love, I, I'm just fascinated with weather. I love the Weather Channel. There are people on the Weather Channel who are storm chasers. Everyone's fleeing the, the, the eye of the storm. They're driving into it. They're like truck semi-trailers getting spun around and thrown blocks over and they're driving into it taking photos and selfies with it in the background these are cray cray people so there are storm chasers Naomi's not a storm chaser she's a storm departer she's a she she's leaving there's a famine in the land and she doesn't want she doesn't want alternate or inclement weather she just wants she wants it harvest time all the time she wants it easy all the time so let me just say this, that you need to understand that the Bible teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it says that there is a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. So that means that while you and I are under heaven, this side of eternity, you will find that you have a purpose. Two great days in every human being's life. Day number one was the day you were born, but day number two is the day you discover why. Two great days in every human being's life. Day number one was the day you were born. But day number two is the day you discover why. When you discover your purpose. But you need to understand just because you discovered your purpose doesn't mean there's an automatic. I've seen a lot of people, man, my purpose is to be a preacher. My purpose is to be a prophet. My purpose is to, my purpose is to, and then they go and they try and plant their purpose in the wrong season. They don't understand times and seasons. God operates in times and seasons. That's why you all the way through your Bible, you'll read, and it came to pass in the process of time. God uses times and seasons to process what's in you. When, when, when somebody conceives and has a baby, there is a nine-month process. There is a 40-week process for it to go from a seed to a human, to go from a seed to a baby with potential, that there is a process. And so God is always processing. So it's one thing to discover your purpose. It's another thing to then, to then trust your purpose to the right time and the right season. We live in the 21st century where technology has kind of dulled our senses to the understanding of times and seasons. For example, Friday night football. And uh, man, how awesome were those sacks? Four sacks? Their boy champ, Friday night lights. Literally, it was like lights out merriment. Uh, it was awesome. I'm watching it. And, uh, but, you know, they can play on Friday night, and it looks like it's daytime because all the, all, the, all the Friday night lights are lit up. And so if you're on the field, it looks like day. It's not day. It's night. But it looks like day. Because of technology with air conditioning, we, we can, if, it might be, might be, but we can have, you know, uh, 74 degrees all year. We, we, with refrigeration, well, we know that strawberries are a thing of the spring, but we can have strawberries in autumn because refrigeration. So we don't, we, we, we dull ourselves and we think, we delude ourselves into believing that we can live in perpetual harvest. I speak at conferences where there are conference junkies and they always want to be harvest time. They always want to live in harvest. He's my harvest, Pastor. I believe my harvest, my harvest. And, and they always want to live in harvest. But you need to understand, if you always live in harvest, you never appreciate harvest. There has to be a season of winter. Winter is important. Nobody really likes winter, but winter is so important. Winter, the leaves fall from the trees. The fruit falls and it all dies. 
The, the, the trees look bare. They're, they're, they're leafless. They're, they're lifeless. Winter is always a season of death. But unless you have death, you cannot have resurrection. And there, is, there are things in your life with the old that need to die. There are things that belong to another year, that belong to another chapter, that belong to another phase, that belong to another cycle, that, that belong to another paradigm, that belong to another lifetime that just needs to die. It needs to die. It's not Because sometimes what we do is we, we, we don't allow it to die and, and, and we bring it with us. Don't bring your corpse of yesterday. Allow it to die. You've got to have a winter. You're going to have a winter. If you just keep adding shoes, adding shoes, your, your, your closet is going to be cluttered. There's got to be a throwing out of the old. If you just keep buying clothes and you don't throw out, you've got to throw out the old. You've got to understand there's got to be a death to the old. Somebody felt that. Was that you, Ash? i got to get rid of shoes. Okay. There's got to be a death. Now, now let me just tell you, let me just tell you, this, this all became very apparent to me on a very personal level because God began to to, to really instruct me on this. And he began to show me other pastors who, who, and these are pastors. But because we're all broken, because we're all insecure, maybe ego-driven or insecurity-driven, whatever, we, we want our church to be in constant harvest. We, we always want altar calls full. We always want, and so, you know, we're trying to compete with other churches and pastors about numbers and all kinds of stuff. And God just said to me, if you can just put your ego and insecurity away, and just understand the times, the seasons, and the cycles of God. He says, your church will always grow. And he says, because your name, Jürgen. Now, you need to understand, Jürgen is spelled with a J, looks like Jürgen. My whole life, I was teased for having a name, Jürgen. Mathis, how do you say that? You know, Matthias, oh, okay, that's different. And, you know, even when I first moved to America, you know, my wife takes me to Starbucks and I'm like, I'm not drinking coffee. And she goes, drink, there's a white chocolate mocha. It's got so much sugar in it. It doesn't taste like coffee, it just tastes like sugar. And so, but it's nice. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And so I order a white chocolate mocha and the guy, the guy says to me, what's your name? I'm like, why? <laughs> He's like, well, we've got to put your name on there so we know who to give it to. I'm like, uh, do you have to? He's like, yeah. Uh, Jürgen Burger? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Jürgen. Yeah, yeah, Jaeger? Jaeger? said, no, uh, no, it's, uh, why don't I just spell it? Okay, Y-E, no, it's a J. Oh, oh, jer, 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 Jergen, jer, Jerber, Jerbers? No, I, let me just spell it. Okay, Y, no, it's J. Oh, oh, that's right. And there's scribbles all over there. J, J-E-R, J, no, no, G. G, G or J? G. J, G. So anyway, so he finishes writing. And he puts it up on the, you know, the passes it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. People are you know, embarrassed. My whole life has been like, right? So then, so then, you know, it's a pretty crowded store. Then I hear, you know, got a white chocolate mocha here for Shushan. And uh, so, it's so a true story. This is how bad it is. No, no, the penny doesn't drop. I'm thinking it's someone else. So I'm taking a moment to bask in my embarrassment going, ha, 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 ha. There's someone with a worse name than me. I'm going to enjoy this. Oh, come on, Shushan. Woo! I thought Jürgen was there. Shushan. And anyway, five minutes later, Shushan, your white chocolate mocha is going cold. And I'm like, surely not. Oh, yeah. It's me. I'm Shushan. Shushan. When I was in Bible college, when I was in Bible college, there was a young lady and uh, her and her husband. They were expecting their, their first baby, and she had a name book. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing with that? She goes, well, you know, in the Bible, names have meanings. I'm like, names have meanings in the Bible? She's like, yeah, how do you not know that? Well, I didn't grow up in church. I got saved on a beach. She goes, well, how much Bible have you read? I said, I've read the Gospels, and I love the book of Acts. They're like, have you read the Old Testament? I was told just to start in Matthew and make my way through. And so they're like, oh, well, in the Old Testament, every name has a meaning. I'm like, names have meanings? Yeah. So she's gone through and she shows me all these names with meanings. So I said to her, I said, you know, I've been ridiculed my whole life. I've lived with shame and embarrassment. Just maybe the good Lord has intended that in the world, shame, but my name's going to mean something awesome. I said, can I borrow that book? So I borrow the book and I, and I go to the, I'm like, uh, I'm half expecting Jürgen's not even going to be in there. 
you know, if you're looking for Jürgen, it's not in here. It's a dumb, you know, that's what I'm thinking, okay. And, but, but no, no, Jürgen was in there. I'm like, yes, it's in here. Oh, my God. And so I look, and just next to it, it's just got parentheses. Oh, why has it got parentheses? Oh, uh, none of the other names have got parentheses. Why has my name got parentheses? And in parentheses, it just has two words, C. George. Well, what do you mean, C. George? And underneath, in little fine print, it has, Jürgen is a derivative of George. George? I make fun of people called George. Oh, it's like, God, my sins are coming back to haunt me. No, no, hang on. This is just like God. Things always get worse before they get better. Don't get discouraged now. Turn to George. George is going to mean something awesome. So I get to George. And, you know, all the Gs, you know, Gary and Jeffrey and, I don't know, Gertrude, whatever, you know. And they've all got these... These long sentences, you know, their name means something. One who will lay low the nations, you know, you know, like all these, you know, you know. And, and but, but George, no sentence, no sentence, just one word, one flipping. Now, one word isn't too bad. One word isn't too bad. If that one word is warrior, champion, handsome, but it wasn't warrior. It wasn't champion. It wasn't handsome. It was the word farmer. <laughs> Jürgen, derivative of George, means farmer. I threw the book out the window, then realized it wasn't mine. I had to go down and get it and apologize and give it back. And I get, you know, go back to my, my room at college and I'm just, you know, on my bed and I'm depressed. And God's like, you know, what's the matter with you? I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, what's wrong with your name? Everything! My whole life, Jürgen, the Gherkin, Yogurt. I, I said, I hate my name. And then I find out today it means farmer. And God's like, do you know what a farmer does? I'm like, I don't care. He's like, a farmer sows seed. whoop de doo He's like, no, no, no. A farmer sows seed. I said, God, have you ever been to the, have you ever been to the movies? I said, when you go to the movies... And you're sitting there and you, you know, you, you got a good seat right in the middle, you know, like two thirds of the way back. You don't want to be down the front where you're like this. It's bad for your neck, but you want to be, you know, like there, right in the middle, not on the side where you're like that. I'm, you know, right in the, and so, so I get there early. And when you get there early, they always have the previews, you know, coming attractions. And then they have that freaky voiceover dude that comes on. This summer, a film by Jerry Bruckheimer, music by, you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening this summer? You know, deep in the heart of a small town. Well, what's going on in a small town? A resident evil lurks seeking to enslave and dominate the entire universe. But only one man can save the day. The farmer. You never hear that the farmer is the flipping hero. Here he comes riding on my tractor right here. Right now. I'm going to get off my tractor. Listen here. I heard there's some megalomaniac with some type of super, with some type of paranormal, some type of crazy powers right here, right now, want to enslave mankind. Let me just tell you something right now, Mr. Alien Megalomaniac Boy. Sure as I'm wearing breeches, you are not going to enslave the people on planet Earth because I got me a pitchfork right here, right now. Let me tell you that right now. I'm going to stab you in the face. That's what I'm going to do. I'll stab you in the face with my pitchfork hard, fast, and repeatedly till you put down this megalomaniac and slave the planet. No, no, my what? I mean, you never hear that. You never hear the farmer is the hero of the story. Something like flipping God. What's the point of being a flipping farmer? So God says, yeah, he says, the farmer sows seed, brings in a harvest. He has sheep, he has oxen, he has cattle. He says, it's going to be you. I said, how? He says, you're going to sow the seed of the word of God into many fields, many nations. I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you my seed, my word. And you'll sow it. And in those nations, you're going to reap a harvest for my kingdom. He says, you're going to have sheep. You're going to have congregations. You're going to have oxen. Oxen in the Bible is... is is leaders, donkeys, servants. He says, you're going to have volunteers. You're going to have people that carry burdens and loads for the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom. 
Bonjour, monsieur. Je m'appelle Farmer. Comment t'appelles-tu? All of a sudden, I'm like, hi, Farmer. Nice to meet you. I'm Farmer. So I, so, so I began to understand that there was a power with Farmer. So I knew that when I came to San Diego, I, I knew that, that I was coming to a city where I had never sown. So I knew I had to sow. So Leanne would get upset. You know, we were starting East County. So Leanne would get upset. Why are you preaching out in, out in uh, Christian High School? Why are you preaching out in East County to all these? That they're so far from our church. They're never going to come to our church. I'm like, sweetheart, because you have a harvest mentality. Just because they can't come today. I, I, if I don't sow out there today, I ain't got no harvest tomorrow. But if I go out there today, if I sow out there today, I know that when we finally launch East, there's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be something. You have to sow. You've got to understand sowing and reaping. The Bible says, while the earth remains, while the earth remains, summer and winter, cold and uh, warm, day and night, seed time and harvest will not disappear so you've got to understand season so let, let me kind of try and round second so here is here is delightful pleasant who is married to God is king but she decides that she's going to leave the land of their planting and go somewhere else and then she loses her boys most of us would look at that from the outside and say God is cruel God is not a good God. We sing, you are good. We, we sing that song, but in reality, the boys died. But if you actually have a look, it's not so much God, but if you actually have a look, the boys have been given names. Marlon and Chilion. Marlon, his name means sickly, and Chilion means wasting away. The babies were not born in Moab. The babies were born in Judah. They were born in Bethlehem of Judah. So they were born in a place where God resides, but they were born in a season of famine. And Naomi takes the negativity of her circumstances, forms and shapes words in the, in the, 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 the weight of a name and then sticks it under her children. And she names, she names her seed. She names her future. She names her harvest sickly and wasting away and then wonders why they perish in another land. Let me just tell you this. You are better off staying in a season of famine with God then you are departing from the Lord and going to a land of plenty without God. When we came to San Diego, people said, you are crazy. You, you don't know anybody. I remember I was driving through, I almost said the, the name of the place. I was driving through a particular place and I'm on the phone with a gentleman. I said, I'm just driving past this church. And he said, that church or that, that pastor of that church, he, he's, got, he's got three degrees. Three, 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 three degrees? I don't even have one degree. Oh, he's got three degrees. He's so smart. And that, 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 that facility, it's, it's about a $100 million facility. And now I'm slowing down because of the traffic and I'm looking. And it's got awesome building and awesome parking. We're still hiring a school. He goes, yeah, yeah, and they've got another campus over here and this and that. And I'm like, oh. And as, as I'm driving past, I'm seeing, you know, it's filled and all this kind of stuff. And I remember looking, thinking, my God. And then this guy starts telling me how oh, they've got all these millionaires and they've even got a couple of billionaires in their church. I'm like, man, how am I ever going to do what you've asked me to do? I don't have any billionaires. I don't even know if I've got any millionaires in my church. And I looked at this facility. I said, God, I don't have an awesome facility like that. I got nothing. You know, depressed. And then I just hear the Holy Spirit kind of sitting shotgun. In the car, he goes, you've got me. And I'm like, sorry, Holy Spirit. <laughs> we own three buildings. We're just about to buy a fourth building on the 78. We're about to launch east. We'll buy another building in the next 12, 18 months out at East. And it's not, it's not because, well, wow, that pastor must be so. No, no, no. It's because I've learned the Holy Spirit. I'm better off, I'm better off walking through a famine with God. 
I'm better off walking through a storm with God. I'm better off walking through a valley with God. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm better off walking through the valley of the shadow of death because I can fear no evil for thou art with me in my valley. Everybody had given up hope. When David walked down into that valley, he was walking into a valley to meet Goliath. Goliath, a nine foot nine champion, undefeated warrior was standing, glistening with his armor, sword, spear and javelin. There was no sword in David's hand, but he's walking into the valley. But he says, as I walk in the valley, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I'd rather God with me in a valley than stand on a mountaintop of plenty without God. David emerged from the valley, not Goliath. He walked out with the head of Goliath. Goliath had his trust in his past. He had his trust in his spear. David had his trust in God. I can't tell you one of the saddest things that breaks my heart as a pastor. How many times I've seen people move from a house where they were flourishing to another city. And I ask them, is there a great church? Oh, we don't know, Pastor. Hope so. What are you moving for? Oh, they're going to pay us an extra 25 Gs, 30 Gs, 50 Gs. And then they lose their marriage. They lose their business. What's the point? Stay in the land. Stay in the blessing. Stay in the house where you're planted, where you're flourishing. The, the book is named Ruth, not Naomi. Yet Ruth is a Moabite. Why wouldn't you name it Naomi? Naomi is an Israelite. She's, she's, a Jew, she's from Judah. But God says, no, no, I'm not naming this because of her biology. I'm not naming this because of her genealogy. I'm naming this after an outsider because even though she was born outside, she lives like an insider. Naomi was born inside the covenants of Israel, but she is faithless and she is bitter. Ruth, when Orpah kisses, and always beware of the kissers, when Orpah kisses, she leaves, but Ruth clings and covenants. Naomi says to her, sweetheart, even if I was to get pregnant tonight, are you going to wait 20 years? I have no way to provide for you. I don't even know how I'm going to provide for me. But Ruth had heard that the Lord had visited his people. She'd heard that the Lord had visited his people. God had never visited Moab. But he was always visiting his people. And she says, when I married your boy, I was marrying somebody of the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. I was marrying someone of the household of praise. I was marrying somebody that could usher in. God inhabits the praises of his people. She says, I could go back to my family. I could go back to my familiar. I could go back to my past. I could go back to my old ways. But all I have there is what I've already known. But I want to know what it's like to be in a land where God visits his people. I want to know what it's like to stand in the presence of God. I want to know what it's like to see a move of God. See, let me just tell you this. Your future is not in your past. Your destiny will not be discovered in your history. I said your destiny will not be discovered in your history. So many of us, when we face trials, when we face challenges, what we do is we go back to that bad relationship. We go back to that addiction. We go back to that bottle. We go back to those drugs. We go back to the past. Your destiny is not lined up with your history. Ruth steps forward into the unknown because faith has a walk. Faith is not static. The Bible says Abraham, who's the father of faith, went out seeking a city whose builder and maker is God, not knowing where he was going. God just said, leave. Where do I go? I'm not telling you where to go. You just need to start walking. Faith has a walk. Faith has a walk. When we came to San Diego, there were no guarantees. There were no guarantees. Now, obviously, if I would have saw your beautiful face, it would have made it so much easier. But selfishly, you withheld yourself. from. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. How much easier it would have been if I could have seen your faces. But you know what? I knew that God was going. I knew that God was going to do something. I knew that God, and so we could step out and just believe God. So we stepped out. So she comes to 
Oh, sugar. So she comes to, oh my gosh, is that the time? So she comes to, and immediately she, she says, Mama, Mama, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go because it's, it's the time of the barley harvest. It's the time of the barley harvest. And so, so she goes and there's a, there's a man in the barley harvest. His name is Boaz. And she comes and she goes behind the reapers and, and the reapers as they're reaping the, the harvest, you know, stuff spilling. Well, they allowed in those days the poor to go behind the reapers. They were allowed to go behind the reapers. And whenever the reapers dropped, they could pick up and take home. So she's just picking up scraps. She's picking up just the scraps. But, but Boaz is standing in the field and he watches. He says, who is that young woman? And I said, well, that's actually, that's actually Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law, Ruth. This is interesting. He says, get all the men. So all the men come. And he says, listen, there's a young lady who's come tragedy husband died she's come with Naomi Jewish culture affords protection for Jewish girls she's not a Jewish girl therefore there's no protection so the men could forcibly rape her have sex and feel like there was no retribution he says if anybody lays a hand on her you're going to be fired you lose your job that's pretty serious and so they go back into the field and then he says before you go back wait where are you going before you go back, as she follows behind you, I don't want her just to have scraps. He says, I want you to take some full heads of grain and leave it there so she can collect full heads again. So now she goes from scraps to some really choice pieces. It's the afternoon now, and so they're sitting down to eat. And he sends a messenger. He says, go and tell her to come up and put her feet up and eat some bread. And we've got freshly baked bread, and there's some wine, uh, some oil and some vinegar for her to dip her bread in. And when, when she sees this, she bows before him. She says, I'm, I'm a stranger. Who, who, who am I that you would show such kindness to a stranger? She doesn't know who he is. The name Boaz means strength. Means strength. Strength was standing in the field, ready to bless Naomi. Because strength is developed when there's a famine this man is reaping a harvest because strength understands if I stay planted in the famine, God is going to visit his people. He always does. There may be winter, but spring is going to come. There may be winter, but there will be a summer harvest. And so strength meets. And so strength, she doesn't know who this is. Now watch this. She goes home. He doesn't answer her. She goes home. She tells her, Mama, Mama, you're not going to believe what happened. Look at all this stuff. She goes, where'd you get all that stuff? Have you been stealing? She says, no, I didn't steal it. She tells the story of Boaz. She goes, Boaz, Boaz, he's a, he's a relative. If he marries you, oh my God, if he marries you, then, then I'm saved. If he marries you, then, oh, Ruth, darling, come to your mother-in-law. What is it, Mama? I've got a plan. What is it, Mama? Go and get your best dress. Here, take this bottle of perfume, put it on. No, all of it. Put your makeup on and then this is what I want you to do. Go back to the harvest field. They're going to be eating and drinking because they've just brought in the harvest. When he's finished eating and drinking, his heart will be merry. I want you to watch to where he goes to lie down to sleep. And once he lies down to sleep, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the place where you saw him lie down. Uncover his feet and go and lay under the blankets at his feet. And when he wakes, he'll tell you what to do. Oh, I'm sure he will, Naomi. I'm sure he will. <laughs> See... I don't know why you're looking at me like that. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. You and I know this is entrapment. This is crafty, shrewd entrapment. This, she thinks, what man merry with wine on a really great day wakes up to see a beautiful woman dressed to the nines wearing perfume laying at his feet in the middle of the night? What man could resist? She thinks it's a done deal. He's going to sleep with her. Bam! It's all on. That's what she's thinking. So Ruth obeys her mother-in-law, does everything. The Bible says around midnight, uh, Boaz 
is startled. What the? And he looks, and here's a beautiful woman at his feet in his bed. And he says, who are you? And she says, I'm Ruth, the Moabitess. He says, I've heard of your righteousness. Most men wouldn't be thinking of righteousness at that particular moment. He says, I've heard of your righteousness, sweetheart. I've already inquired. There is a relative closer than me who is able to marry you and perform the, the vow. I'm going to go to him tomorrow. I've already made an appointment with him. And if he won't marry you, I will. But we're not going to do this. We're going to do it the right way. He says, just wait here a couple of hours because some of the lads are still up. And I don't want you to walk out and them see you and think that you are a lesser woman than what you are. So wait here. And then before she leaves, he fills baskets with flour, baskets with wheat, baskets with barley. He says, take these home to your mama. She falls down again. She says, I don't understand. Why would you be so kind to me, a stranger? Well, if you understand who Boaz is, Boaz's mama was a, a lady by the name of Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She was a woman of the night, and she lived in Jericho. She was the one when the spies came in to spy out Jericho, she brought them into her home. And she said, listen, I know God is going to give you the city of Jericho. I, I know I've got no leg to stand on. I, 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 I exploit the weaknesses of men for my own profit and gain. But please, I, I've heard that your God is merciful. Please, would you, would you spare me, my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters? When the walls come down, would you spare us? So they give her a scarlet cord and they say, tie this in the window. And if you bring your household, your household will be saved. The Bible says that when the walls came down, Rahab and her entire household were supernaturally saved. But watch this. They weren't just saved and then hasta manana. They were saved. And the Bible says from that day, Rahab came and dwelt in Israel. If you follow it, she then marries a prince of Judah by the name of Salmon. Salmon and Rahab have a little baby and they name him Boaz. From a little boy, Boaz was bounced on mama's knee. And mama Rahab told the stories of, I used to be a prostitute. I used to be a harlot. I used to be a hooker. I used to be, but then God, God rescued, God saved, God healed, God delivered. Now you need to understand this is in the time of the judges, the Bible says. In the time of the judges, immorality and wickedness was, was pervasive throughout Israel. But here is a man who lives in direct contradiction to the, to the culture around him of wickedness and sexual exploitation. He refuses to sleep with her because his testimony is my mama used to do tricks. My mama used to have affairs. My mama used to have shallow sex. My mama used to do one night stands. My mama used to, and she said, none of that satisfied. And she said to me, boy, wait until you're married. Wait, do it God's way. Live with God's covenant. He says, so I had the opportunity tonight, but I would not because my mama's testimony from me as a little boy up until now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it properly. And so Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, short, short story, marries, and they bring forth a son. Now, culture, Jewish culture and Jewish tradition was she was meant to name the son after her deceased husband to carry on his lineage and his legacy. But Ruth can't bring herself to name her son wasting away. She says, I can't do it. I'm not naming him wasting away. So what does she name him? She names him Obed. Obed. What does Obed mean? Servant. Because she said, I was in a land of loss, attached to a woman who was bitter. And in a land of loss, attached to a woman who was bitter with God, I found that if I just went and served, and I served for scraps, I served for leftovers, but God saw my faithfulness in my serving, and all of a sudden, it was, went from scraps to, to choice, and then from choice, it went to to multi-grains and basketfuls. And then from there, it went to marrying my Boaz. And now I own the entire estate. I'm going to name him servant because the pathway out of poverty into greatness is to serving. When heaven was bankrupt, when Satan 
plundered one third of the angels out of heaven. When you and I were lost from God in sin, what did God do? He came to earth as a servant. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, King of kings, Lord of lords, but I came to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many because he served by hanging on a cross. You and I have everlasting life. Becky Heinrichs is who she is today, not because, well, she just knows the pastors and you know, I guess as friends of pastors, you get, no, no, Becky Lynn Heinrichs, when she first joined our church, I said, I need somebody to do something about these smelly, stinky bathrooms in Carmel Valley Middle School. Oh, I'll do it. Well, what would you do? Just trust me. The next week I walk in there, there's rugs and, and, and candles and incense perfume and, and, and stones with water running over. I'm like, that's awesome. Stones with water and, and mirrors. And, and, and I'm like, man, this is as good as anything in a hotel. I forgot that it was a, a, a school. And I'm like, man, if she's that faithful with a bathroom, what would she do with, well, we really need to get people in connect groups. So she's, well, I'll do that. And it's like, no matter what we asked her to do, she, she started in scraps, but then she started moving on. And so now she's up and she's prophesying over people at, at, at Cherish. She's prophesying words that are unlocking destinies over lives. People say, man, how do you get there? How do you get there? You start serving with a little. You start serving for the scraps. There is no limitation for somebody who's a servant. That's why we have connect, grow, serve, lead. When you serve, when you find your serve, see, when your purpose meets your serve, your serve is literally putting the roots into the ground to draw nutrients from the kingdom that causes the fruit to, to develop on the branches of your life. You've got to find your serve. I'm out of time. I've gone way over time. Come on, give God a shout. How good is the Bible? Come on, how good is the Bible? Come on. Would you let me pray for you really quickly? Just 30 more seconds and, I, and I'm done. But I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you're away from God or disconnected from God, maybe you're far from God, fell away from God, you've turned your back on God. Friend, the reason we do church is so that people can find God, reconnect with God, draw near to God. If that's you today saying, hey, pastor, would you pray for me? I would love to pray for you. Just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, sweetheart. I see your hand. Who else is there? Would you quickly lift your hand? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you, sir. Who else is there? Thank you over there. I see your hand, beautiful. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you over there. I see your hand. Who else is there? Thank you, champion. I see your hand, sir. I feel like there's somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Thank you, beautiful. I see your hand. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you, beautiful. Is it one more? Is it one more? I'd love to pray. I just feel like, thank you, sir. I see that hand. I see that hand. Man, so many of you, I know I'm out of time. Would you, would you do something? I feel the power of God here. I'd love to pray for you while you're in your seat. But if, if we do something, if we, can we meet halfway? If I get down off this platform and stand down here, I'm going to get the whole church to stand and sing a song. Those of you that raise your hands, would you do something a little bit courageous? Grab a friend, grab someone you're sitting with. And would you come and meet me down here so I can shake your hand and pray for you personally? pray for you person church can we stand to our feet those of you that raise your hands if you've got a friend ask the friend to walk with you if you're sitting with someone that raised their hand be a friend and bring them but sir on the side up the back come on let's put our hands together as they come thank you so much for joining us online we hope you had a powerful experience we want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected if you made a decision for christ today need prayer or want more information about our church go to our website c3sandiego.com and if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.